grab yourself a biscuit. It's the CA3 Cup of Tea series. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Cup of Tea series. We've created this podcast for the HR, talent community and anyone really who's interested in exploring specific areas of employee engagement and experience. Each month, whilst I'm having my morning cup of tea and possibly even a biscuit, you can listen to me chat with industry experts on all the most challenging topics facing HR and talent professionals today. During this episode, I wanted to focus on the role that empathy plays in the entire candidate lifecycle. Good communication is obviously important, but empathy and understanding is vital if you want to create the best candidate and employee experience. At Eli, we're always talking to our clients about how we can make this as engaging and exciting as possible. So I wanted to explore the role of empathy further. And today I'm lucky enough to have Jodie Branstetter on the podcast. Jodie has 20 years experience in HR and recruiting and her best-selling book, Hire by Design, is used by HR professionals to help them implement design thinking into their hiring strategies. So Jodie, uh, welcome to the Cup of Tea series. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful. I don't have tea. I have coffee today, but um, I'm, I'm excited to, to be here and have a cup of coffee, I guess, with you. Um, so I'm, I'm really intrigued. Um, you know, people do talk about um, design thinking a lot, um, but just to get back to basics for the benefit of our listeners, um, what is design thinking exactly? So design thinking is a problem solving methodology. It ensures that you think about the people who are going to be handling that solution to also looking at the business. Is it feasible and viable? Can the business actually implement it? And it makes sense. So it's a very simplistic process of understanding your audience who would be, you know, handling or utilizing that solution, coming up with creative ideas through ideation Um, prototyping, making sure it works, and then iteration where you just keep constantly changing, fixing, tweaking. Nothing should be stagnant. We should always be evolving. So how can we apply this then to to talent acquisition and recruitment? You know, how, how can we as HR professionals, you know, benefit from it? I can see there'd be lots and lots of benefits in general, but how specifically could it, could it help us? The first thing it helps us with is Understanding our candidates, understanding our employees, understanding our hiring manager. So really, you know, kind of diving in with empathy, but also observation and interviewing to understand who they are and what they want. A lot of times we're so focused on the process or so focused on our own team that we don't always look at the who I would call our client. Um, so that's the first thing design thinking does, and it really makes us have to. It forces you to understand your audience. Um, the other thing that design thinking can do to help HR is um, helping us be creative. You know, brainstorming is a big part of design thinking, and a lot of times we in HR don't get to be creative, and so it's nice to be able to come up with some really interesting solutions um, that maybe we've never thought about. And then the third thing I would say is the iteration part. A lot of times we put a process together, put a policy together, we put it on the bookshelf, and we never look at it again. We let it get dusty, no one's paying attention to it, and we're not realizing that that process or that policy no longer benefits 
the business and it no longer benefits the employees. So being willing to take it off the bookshelf, dust it off, look at it and say, is this still working or not? And if it's not, go through the process again, see if there's a better solution. So um, iteration, I think, is, is a piece that we don't do a lot, but it could be so worthwhile for an HR department. Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you were talking about in, in terms of just, you know, never, never, it never ends. You know, we, we, when we, when we were kind of implementing an Eli, I was just thinking about that, you know, talking to clients about their onboarding process specifically, we, we workshop that out. So we, we always think about it from that new hire perspective, you know, what, what's it going to mean to them and almost like map out and workshop the design. And I suppose we are doing design thinking in that sense, because we're designing what that journey looks like for that new, new hire. But um, it's, it's really interesting to think actually this, this is changing all of the time. So what might be right one month, actually, you know, a big change might happen. We need to change that the next month and, and, and so on and so on. So I think it's really relevant to a lot of our clients as well. Yeah, I think that if you learn about design thinking, you have these aha moments of, oh, I already do that. I just didn't know there was an actual methodology around it. And the other piece is everything around us is evolving, right? Technology, how we run businesses. And so if we're evolving in other ways, I guarantee our policies, processes, our experiences for employees need to evolve as well. No, that's really, really interesting. And, and and thinking back to that kind of candidate engagement process, um, you've already mentioned some of them already, but are there, are there any more you know common mistakes people make during that candidate engagement process that maybe we can avoid or try to avoid? <laughs> I'm going to talk about assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions on the talent recruiting side of the world. We assume that our candidates know how to go through a selection process because we do it day in and day out when they don't. So this could be a brand new process for them. Um, We assume that they don't need updates when we have no updates, when actually they desperately want an update when we have no update. Uncertainty <laughs> Uncertainty through the hiring process is just there it's too much for a candidate, and that's why a candidate might you know leave your process or might accept another role instead of yours because you didn't clearly tell them that they're still in the running. So I think that's a big one is that with communication and then also looking at your process and the candidate's lens will help you see maybe some areas that you can improve. Yeah, I think I think that's a really, really good point. And we do that in everyday life, don't we? We, we kind of assume people know what we know or, or assume people think what we think. And that's a very dangerous <laughs> place to be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so hard when you're in it every single day. It is so hard for you to realize that other people may not have the same knowledge as you. And I think it's really interesting when you look at like like an entrepreneur or a, a business expert, you know, a lot of times we don't think we're experts when actually we are. It's just that we're so embedded in what we do that we just think everyone else knows what we know and they just don't. And it's and that's where communication is so vital. I think a lot of um, the onboarding process as well and people come to us and they say, okay, well, where do I start? Where do I start building that onboarding journey? How, how can I start to think about what a candidate might like to see? 
And to me, a lot of it's just common sense. You know, we, we have a, you know, a map, we have things that we think about and the way we, we, we ask clients, this is, this is what you need to think about. But actually, all of it's just common sense. It, it's, it's how would you want to be talked to yourself? Um, but to have it there, um, I think, like you say, you know, we are experts, um, at, you know, at, at doing this, but we need to be able to communicate that to, to people um, so that they understand it too. Absolutely. And what you were just talking about is like immersion and empathy, where you are taking your your client through the onboarding process like they're the candidate. So you're walking them through these steps that a candidate experiences so that they can experience it. You know, I have a client who one of their employees has been there for 48 years. He has not interviewed himself for 48 years. If he doesn't stay updated with what's changed in 48 years um, and he's a hiring manager he has no understanding of what that candidate's going through and so he's making assumptions too about what the candidate's doing and a lot of times a hiring manager comes into the process halfway through the process the candidate has already done so much work to even get in front of the hiring manager but the hiring manager doesn't even know that so putting them through like a um an immersion of empathy type um process helps them realize like oh this is what a candidate goes through so like if your clients haven't applied to their own position, if they haven't gone through the selection process, if they haven't actually gone through onboarding, they really do not know what that candidate's facing and, and the emotions that they're going through throughout that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like, you know, you, you, you've been talking about empathy and I think that I'm really interested in this because we always tell our clients, you know, you need to, to be able to understand and share in the feelings of, the, of these new hires so that you can then, you know, adapt what you're saying and how you're saying it to different groups of people. Um, and that doesn't just apply for for HR. That, that's also to, to the line managers, as you say, you know, the, the, the person that's been here 48 years. That's, that's a great example of, OK, so how do we then tell people how to be empathetic? And I, I suppose that's my question to you is then how can people be more empathetic in, in their approach? You know, it, I guess everyone's different, um, but there must be ways or maybe some tactics that people could can absolutely absolutely so empathy is kind of like a muscle you can continue to grow your your empathy capabilities so it's something that if you have someone who lacks empathy they actually can learn empathy so this is not something that you're just born with because the more you put yourself in someone else's shoes the more you can relate to them so one very simplistic and easy way to become more empathetic is to watch movies and to read books. And I'm going to say fiction books because you are literally putting yourself in someone else's story, 100%. So being able to immerse yourself into that story and feel for that person is a very simplistic way to be able to continue to kind of work on your empathy. So I'm telling people to go to movie theaters <laughs> and to go to your public library. But it's it's a very simplistic way that someone can you know, just do it without, without it feeling like it's a task, right? I think a lot of people are like, you're going to make me go to a workshop. 
and I want to sit there and I have to talk about feelings and other people's feelings and how I don't want to do this. And it's like, okay, can you read a book for me? Just a fun fiction book <laughs> and tell me what you felt. Like that's empathy, you know? So, so it, I mean, that's a very simplistic way. And then the other way, so there's, you know, really kind of four different ways to immerse yourself in empathy. One's change your perspective. So being able to, you know, literally put yourself in your, your candidates, your hiring manager's shoes. Um, another one is limit your capabilities. So, you know, one I have as an example in my book for that one is where, you know, if you have employees that take the bus to work and you're trying to understand like a shift schedule or something, um, go take the bus to work. See how that feels for your employees. You know, if you're going to be very stringent on you know, them getting on to work on time, and then you take the bus and the bus breaks down, you're like, oh, crap. You know how this would, I would get a point for this. Like I, you know, so, you know, just take something away from you, you know? Um, so, I mean, so there's four, I'm not going to go through all of them. <laughs> we might be here all day, but <laughs> You can just read us your let, book. <laughs> yeah, I will. Let me just read it. Um, but it is, it's so interesting. And, you know, one other one I'll give as an example, as a recruiter, because I always tell people, you know, go apply to your job, go apply to your job, go apply to your, you know, your, your job. The other thing I would say is go apply to your competitor's job. What are they doing? How are they doing it? Is there application five minutes and yours is 20 minutes is there a huge barrier from how someone gets in the door with you and there's not a barrier there you know we talk about that we don't have enough people to work right now we're like in this you know crazy world of you know just begging people to come you know apply and, and interview do you do you really want to be the number two to your competitor when it comes to your hiring process. So take it a step up, apply to your own and then apply to someone else's. And again, I get people going, but, but they might get a job there. And I'm like, okay, they might, but how are you not, how are you going to know? You know, you're not going to know what your candidates are facing if you don't actually do it. Absolutely. I think that's really interesting. And, I, you know, I always take I always bring it back to onboarding because that's obviously what we do, you know, we, we do. Um, but kind of living that onboarding journey yourselves. Um, we often talk to clients about that. You know what? We often talk to new joiners and new hires to, to clients to say, what was your experience? You know, doing doing a survey, you know, people can say do a survey. But actually, if you do the right survey and ask the right questions, you can actually get some really important information. Um, and I, I love the idea of empathy being, you know, truly understanding that experience of someone. Um, and it can be, be a solution to something might just be, you know, no one picked up the phone. But if they've got a notification to say to a hiring manager saying your join is joining in a week's time, pick up the phone. You know, the new joiner doesn't need to know that they've had a, an alert saying they've got to do that, that they can just think that hiring manager is really empathetic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, onboarding is critical. That is such a critical step in the process. You don't want that person, again, second guessing themselves, having any kind of uncertainty. You know, if you have a very long, you know, time from offer to start, you definitely want to keep engaging them. Um, you know, I just, I have a, a client right now who we have someone starting. And the start date that 
they could do because their office is moving was a specific date. The hiring manager is on vacation. That's the week they're moving. They can't do it. So, you know, here we are like going back and forth with this candidate about a start date. And, you know, now, and so it's this whole thought of if we didn't communicate all this to that that employee, that new hire, and said, you know, these are this is the struggle, right? We're, we're relocating the office. The hiring manager is on vacation that week. You don't have your number one support that week. We need to move you to this week, you know. And then, oh, by the way, you have to, you know, this this individual um, is part of the reserves, so he has three days in the reserves. Okay, well, let's push it back because we don't want you coming for a day, twiddling your thumbs and leaving for three days. Let's push it back. Let's do it here. But if issue is is that if we didn't communicate thoroughly and explain the reasons this was happening it it could definitely be a very poor experience but that happens all the time where things don't go right and then we don't want to show anybody we don't want to be like oh don't look at you know the the skeletons in our closet but but communicating it to you know that candidate he's like oh i get it you already told me you're moving Oh, fine that the manager's taking a vacation. Yep, I get it. It would be really difficult for me to start and stop. Um, but, you know, that could that could 100% drive someone to another company and not start. So onboarding is so critical to staying in contact, keep them excited, keep them, you know, wanting more, giving them information to learn about the company. So much you can do there just so they feel like they already belong. Yeah, it's, it's connecting on that human level, isn't it? How many times have we had problems just in general life and you that you pick up the phone to someone rather than just emailing and you're like, we're having a two-way conversation now. I feel so much better. And you, people just relate to each other so much better. I think, you know, having that, you still have to have that human connection. You can't just have a list of tasks for someone to do. It has to be having an opportunity to chat with your line manager before you start or, or discussing any issues or listening to a Q&A video and being able to, you know, all those things, I think is, is creating that sense of belonging. We talk about the sense of belonging when someone joins something. And I think that that all adds to it. And that this, this idea of empathy, um, it, well, I suppose it underlines everything. It, under, it underpins everything, sorry, should I say. So I think that's, it, it's, it's, it's essential. Um, the other thing I was thinking about the other day when I was thinking about this podcast and um, was how we measure it. Um, I don't know whether you've ever come across this, like how uh, maybe it's not measuring empathy. We, we we measure and we have lots of different ways of measuring engagement and how engaged someone is. But how do we measure? And you might not have an, an exact exact answer to this, but how do we measure? You know how much effect empathy has on a a situation. I don't know whether you've ever come across this because. Sometimes people will say, oh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. But did that really work? Did someone really stay because I, you know, gave them a call? <laughs> I'm just interested in case any any of your clients have ever come to you on that one. I hope they don't because that is extremely difficult <laughs> to be able to measure um, in my mind because it is it's it's human connection, right? It's it's being a human. Like, I, I hate to say, like, empathy is just being a human. But I think that you know, a few things that you can measure that I think will also, you know, kind of go back to the empathy side is, um, you know, your net promoter score. Um, If someone is willing to, you know, refer someone else, you did something right. 
through that process. And I'm going to guess empathy had something to do with that. Um, you know, any kind of scoring around communication is also really big because empathy, communication go hand in hand. So anything around that. Um, and, and really, honestly, if, if I had to measure empathy, it would be storytelling, telling stories where it was impacted. So it's not, sometimes you don't even know if you impact them until maybe a year later. And that's when they tell you their story about you did this for me and I felt this way. You may not even know. But, but holding on to those stories and being able to share those stories with the stakeholders or whoever you're trying to show that it's working, that's more impactful, in my opinion, with empathy than numbers. And it's hard to measure. It absolutely is hard to measure. And we love our data, right? We're obsessed with data. And I would say with empathy, throw the data out the door and just... A lot of it's going to be feeling and gut reaction like, oh, I think I did something really good there. Like they, they're they staying or, you know, a story happens and you're like, wow, I did impact them through the journey. Um, but but I would I would try to stay away from that and, and look at the key things that you can measure and then just make sure that you add in storytelling when you are sharing, you know, feedback or data with your team. That's cool. Um. So I think that's all about all we have time for, actually, Jody. But um, I'd really like to thank you for, for joining us today and giving us some great insights and advice on, on all things, you know, empathy and everything around that. Um, and, and for those of you who'd like to hear more, uh, please follow CA3 on LinkedIn uh, or subscribe to download more episodes. And I'll also share a link uh, to Jody's book and website in the podcast notes um, so you can have a look at those that, um, too. Um, but yeah, until next time, goodbye.